Welcome to the Prosperous Life Podcast. Practical information about what the Bible really says about money and prosperity. It may not be what you've been taught. And now, here's your host, the author of Poverty vs. Wealth, Reverend Roger Breaker. Recently, I listened to a few videos that some claimed were about prosperity ministries. It was interesting that most of them promised great miracles and prosperity and success if you would plant, quote, seed money, end of quote, in their ministry. Right or wrong, I don't know as I'm not their judge. I would rather stick with pondering on what God has said in his word. I've been involved in construction for almost 40 years or more. I used to think it would be great fun to be a builder. But as time went on, I began to realize the position the builder stood in. First, he borrowed money from the bank that needed to be repaid. He owes the bank the day after he borrows the money. It may be months before the house is completed and sold. Parentheses, I've seen how many houses that were finished and took so long to sell that the builder went broke paying the interest on the debt. In the parentheses. Once he borrows the money, all kinds of people and entities line up with their hands out wanting a part of his borrowed money. First is the developer of the land. The builder must buy land to build on. Then he must buy a permit, the first of many, from the city or county to be able to build. Here's a partial list of permits that may be required. A grading permit, building permit, electrical permit, mechanical permit, plumbing permit, septic permit, plans inspection, sediment control, occupancy permit, and many more. I picture this in my mind like a circle of people standing around that builder, he's the one with the money, and sticking their hands out for a portion of his borrowed money. Now he must pay the grading company, the foundation and stem wall people, then the first part of the plumbing, electrical, and then the concrete people for pouring the slab, the driveway, and the sidewalks. Then come the framers, the plumbers again, electrical and HVAC, the sheetrockers, and on and on until the house is finished. It's a lengthy list of people, trades that have their hands in the builder's pockets, and he must produce a finished house that will sell in a short order of time. All the pressure is on him. He must pay the bank back for the money he borrowed. He's like a target for those that want his borrowed money. Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. The builder must work hard to pay back that banker. We are to serve God and not man. Proverbs 22, 26, and 27 says, Be not thou one of them that strike hands, or of them that are sureties for debts. If thou hast nothing to pay, why should he take away thy bed from under thee? The wisdom of God says not to be a guarantor for the debts of others. Because if the other does not pay and you cannot pay, they will come take your home, your bed. It would not be wise to borrow money yourself. I have known many seemingly wise people that mortgaged their homes to drill oil wells or develop land, and when the economy turned, they lost everything. It takes longer to wait until you have the cash to invest, but if you wait, they will never take your bed. If you invest your own money and the house, for instance, does not sell right away. 
If you do have a mortgage, work day and night to get it paid off. Then do not borrow against it for any reason. This is finally stated in Proverbs also. Proverbs 6, 1 through 5. My son, if thou be surety, in other words, a guarantee the loan for thy friend, if thou hast stricken hands with a stranger, which would be the banker, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself. When thou art come into the hand of thy friend, go, humble thyself, and make sure thy friend. In other words, get him to pay the loan back. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter, and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. Nehemiah 5, 4-5 says this, There were also that said, We have borrowed money for the king's tribute, and that upon our lands and vineyards. In other words, they had mortgaged it. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children. And lo, we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters to be servants. And some of our daughters are brought into bondage already. Neither is it in our power to redeem them. In other words, buy them back from that bondage. For other men have our lands and vineyards. What a sad position to be in mortgaged their land and vineyards, and were unable to buy back their sons and daughters from slavery. Save some money. These examples are here to teach us to save against unexpected expenses. It's interesting that in the world, a great proponent of buying real estate to become wealthy teaches that the way to wealth is through borrowed money or debt. Borrowing money can be a great trap. At least when we do, we serve the lender. At the worst, if the economy changes, as it's sure to do, because it's done many times in the past, you could lose everything. You cannot see what the future holds. So, God warns us not to go into debt. If you're in debt, get out quickly. I realize that others have gone into debt and sometimes made a lot of money, but there's no guarantee for that. God's wisdom is do not borrow. I have had some argue with me about borrowed money by saying that in the world of finance, structured debt is a good thing. Bankers and finance people have many high-sounding phrases and words. Many of the wise of this world will be brought down. God does not consider structured debt in his word to be his wisdom. If everything stays the same, you may be successful. You're trusting the wisdom of the world and believing the economy will stay the same but the economy can turn on a dime and then you lose. Our father warns us about the many pitfalls of borrowing money in his word. I came to realize that we as believers and as consumers are in some ways in the same position as a builder. We're the ones with the money. We actually produce something. We too are like targets because of our earned income. Many entities stand around us with their hands out wanting a piece of our money piece of what we have produced. First in line is the tax man. Next are services that we need in our culture. We also need food, electrical, water, sewer, gas for our cars, and heat for our homes. Many of them want to palm themselves off as our friends. They want us to consolidate our bills and credit cards and put them on a second mortgage. I see a billboard occasionally with a picture of a local banker with his hands stretched out toward the passerby as if to say, let's be friends. But he is a salesman. He wants to sell you some money that he has to buy a house, 
expand your business or buy land for your farm. You, in return, will pay the banker part of your income for years. One man I read about lately lost his family farm that had been in his family and owned for five generations. He borrowed against the farm and something turned sour. Now the banker, quote, his friend, end of quote, owned it. This is true for credit cards, car loans, mortgages, school loans, and other consumer goods we finance. Credit cards can run 20%, which is twice what we tithe. Mortgage rates are climbing again. This is in part where our prosperity goes. God is telling us by way of these verses that we are servants to those that lend us the money. No matter how friendly they are, they are not your friends. It reminds one of the expression, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. We need to change our thinking and remember that we are his sons and daughters and we are to serve him. He, he promises to meet all our needs. So if you have a need, pray first, then be patient. See what God will do. If you do not have the cash, don't buy it. This is where saving money is in an emergency fund comes in so handy for unexpected expenses. What would it have been like for those thousands of businesses that went broke during the COVID crisis if they had been saving part of their income over the past years? It's likely they could have survived. Here's something to consider. If we take the example of tithing being 10% of our income, would it be appropriate to expect God to give us back at least the same amount as we gave? But what we do with the minimum of 10% back is we pay it to the credit card companies, the banker, the local car dealer. Then we wonder, where is the prosperity you promised, God? He says, you gave it to the banker. Dave Ramsey says to buy a car you can pay cash for. And then put the five to $600 a month, the national average car payment, into a good growth mutual fund. Think, if you buy a nice car and make payments for six years, what's that car worth after six years? What would the same amount of money you would have put into the car payments be worth in six years if it were invested in a good growth mutual fund? The difference is drastic. Prosperity at times is not an increase in funds but a reorganizing of how we deal with the money God trusts us with. Rather than trusting in, quote, seed money, end of quote, to produce a miracle, try reorganizing your finances, get out of debt, be a giver, a saver, and utilize some of the other things we've talked about in these blogs. Watch the wisdom of God produce in your life the prosperous life. Here's a closing thought. Matthew 25, 21. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Thanks for listening to the Prosperous Life Podcast. Want more information? Why not join Roger in the discussions at the Prosperous Life Group on Facebook? Or subscribe to Roger's Prosperous Life blog at rogerbreaker.com. And always remember, God said, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers.